this in your name. Amen. Well, good morning. We are working our way through the book of Acts, and we're at chapter 16 this morning. So we have seen the good news of the kingdom of God. There is a new king. His name is Jesus. Comes with a kingdom from heaven full of grace and mercy and peace. And he rules. And he calls all to obedience, to follow him. We've seen that gospel go now from Jerusalem out to Judea. And it's on its way to the ends of the earth. And last week, we ran into our first, or maybe the week before, really difficult conflict in the church. We began to experience the pain of disunity as Paul and Barnabas had just a really uh, bitter conflict. And so that was two weeks ago. And last week, Pastor Gina preached a sermon on on unity out of Ephesians and being one in the Spirit and um, gave us some just beautiful practical advice on how to work through conflict when we have it with brothers and sisters in Christ. So we're picking back up now What's happened to Paul and company? He and Barnabas have parted ways. Paul's taken Silas with him, and they've gone to Lystra and Derby to strengthen the churches that they uh, led to the Lord on their first missionary journey. And now what? So now we pick up at chapter 16, verse 6, and we'll read from 6 to 10. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Remember, the word is shorthand for not the whole Bible, but the good news of the kingdom of God. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. The word of the Lord. Uh, Some of you might have noticed that this is the first time that we heard the word we. That's the first time Luke refers to himself. Luke's the author of Luke and Acts. And so at this point, people think is where Luke joined the company, perhaps from Leicester or from Derby, but he now went with them on the journey. And so we're getting his first-hand testimony of what he saw and experienced from here on out. I better I better try this before I start. It's my first time using this. What do I point at? There we go. All right. There's hope. Um, I want to go back about 20 years and um, talk to you for a minute or two about my my early 20s. It was the spring of 
2001, and I was getting ready to graduate from university, and I was getting ready to be married about six months later, and all was looking like it was going in one beautiful direction. I I thought I knew what the future was. And then the night before graduation, that engagement, that relationship broke off. And so the next day, of course, I went through graduation, kind of a bit of a fog, and there's a period of a few months of grieving that the loss of that relationship. But then as I made my way on into the next year, all of a sudden I began to realize uh, I'm on, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure where I'm going. I thought I was going one direction. I thought my life was headed one way. I thought I was going to be in this relationship that was going to be forever and that uh, I could see settling down in that area and having children. And all of a sudden it was like, wh- where, where are we going? And uh, as the, that year rolled into the next, and then the next year rolled into the next one after that, and I approached the middle of my 20s, I began to realize that I had this pretty clear assumption about where my life was going to go. I had sort of a, a road map uh, marked out. I wouldn't have said that I'd planned it, but I just began to realize as I wrestled with the anxiety of watching hey, this friend just got married, hey, that friend just got married, hey, these friends are starting to have children, that all of a sudden my life's not going the way I had thought it was going to go. And I'm off the map because I'm not in a relationship and now I don't know if I'm going to get married. And now my whole identity is not wrapped up in being married, but that was a pretty significant thing and often is for people in their 20s. And so here, here I am, not necessarily knowing where I'm going. Am I ever going to get married? And so then, not really having a map to follow, that created a, a lot of anxiety within me. Being off the map, not necessarily knowing where we're going. And if you don't know where you're going, it's hard to know how you're going to get there because you don't know where you're going. Right? Um, so this week, I was thinking about Paul and company and their journey from Lystra and Derby to Troas, and I was staring at this map that you can see here, and I'll point out Lystra and Derby in just a minute, but all of a sudden it hit me, the most obvious thing in the world, hit me like a ton of bricks. They didn't have a map. They didn't know where they were going. They did not have it laid out ahead of time. God did not say to them, you're going to go from here to there, and then when you get there, you're going to spend this many days, and then you're, this is going to happen, and then you're going to go there, and then from there, you're going to go down to Apollinarius, and then down to Thessalonica, and from there, you'll go, and this will happen, and then you'll go to Ephesus. God didn't say any of that. All the guidance that they had from the Lord that we see in Scripture was this. Paul had the guidance This man will take my name to the Gentiles. He's my chosen instrument. And remember, he had to wait 13 years before that would start to play out in his life. 
13 years before we saw in Acts 13 that the church discerned as the elders gathered to pray and fast that the Holy Spirit was now saying, set apart Paul and Barnabas for the work that I've called them to. And so that happened. And here we are a couple of years later and Paul and Barnabas, they're not together anymore. Now we're off the map. The Lord had said, take my name, take the gospel. Paul and Barnabas, you go. They've gone. Now they're apart. Now what? Now what? And so Paul does what he feels prompted to do, go back and strengthen the churches. And then, then what? Then he heads west into virgin missionary territory just heads out to start obeying the Lord with the best sense of what the Lord has next for him in his life, his calling on his life. He heads out. And Luke, when he records this, he does it really quickly. He goes, he goes over it super fast. He says, Paul and his companions traveled out through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. Three verses. You know how much ground gets covered in those three verses? 300 miles on foot. I want, I want to take a little look at the kind of territory they crossed and wonder together for a few minutes, what was it like to be a part of this group that's doing their best to follow the instructions of the Lord in faith? This is an overhead aerial view of what's now modern-day Turkey, which is where they went through. Can you see how many mountains are a part of this, this area? This is roughly where they um, they started all the way down here, but they came up and Lystra and Derby are in here, and they go through here, up here, up here, and then down here to Troas. This is a little bit of what that looks like. Much of this territory is harsh, unforgiving, lonely. And difficult to navigate. And I want to ask together, what do you do when there's no map? What do you do? What do you do when you're doing your best and you set out in faith and you get up in the morning with your company and you travel and you walk 15, 16, 17 miles and you don't run into anybody that's receptive. You don't run into anyone that wants to hear what you want to share. You don't run into anybody that welcomes you to stay with them. And so you camp out in the open and you go to sleep and you pray and you get up in the morning and you start to do it all over again. Except this morning... You're tired because you just walked 18 miles yesterday. But in faith, you set out and you keep walking. And every time you approach a hill or a mountain, you don't know what's on the other side. You don't know what it's going to hold. You don't know what you're going to have to walk through. 
All you know is that you're getting farther and farther away from where you started and you still haven't gotten to anything that feels fruitful or that feels like what the Lord's calling you to. And on day 13 or 14 or 15, when you've traveled 150 or 200 miles and you still haven't experienced any fruit, what does that feel like? This is the place, friends, where questions and uncertainty start to settle in. This is the place where we begin to wonder, am I going the right way? Did I hear God right? Did He send me? Should we have come? Should we go back? What should we do? God, where are we? Where are we going? This is a place of disorientation. A wilderness, as it were. And I think this is a place that is quite familiar. These these dynamics, these questions, these uncertainties are quite familiar to us each as we try to follow Jesus Christ the best that we can in the life that He's given us. We've got we we've done our best with with Lord. Uh, you've put me here. You've given me certain gifts. You've shaped me a certain way. And um, how might I serve you? How might I follow you? What does it look like for me to live faithful to you day by day? And we're living into that the best we can. And then things change. Changes happen that we can't anticipate. Doors get closed. Relationships suffer or struggle. Finances aren't enough. Health struggles. And what do we do in this place of, Lord, I'm following you. I'm doing the best that I can with the guidance that I've got from you, who you've made me to be, what you've called me to do, what it looks like to be faithful to you, Jesus Christ, in the present. And yet, I'm not seeing the fruit. Or, I can't see the big picture. Or, Lord, I don't know where we're going. I, there's no map. All I can do is wake up in the morning and keep going in the best sense of where you're calling me to. Yeah. We experience this as individuals. We also experience this as a church family or as a body of Christ together. God God has a calling on us as a church. We've heard him give the guidance, be and become a house of prayer. We have come to understand that from Exodus, the beginning of the Bible, to Revelation, God says, my people will be a kingdom of priests. That's what he says in Exodus. In Revelation, he says, you'll be priests to serve, a kingdom of priests to serve our God. In Peter, he says, a royal priesthood. He calls us to reign and to rule with him and to mediate like priests mediate between one one realm and another. His kingdom, his will here on earth as it is in heaven. And the first and the foremost way that we do that is in prayer. 
He calls us to be people, to be men and women of children of prayer who would look at the needs of the world around us outside of the gospel, outside of hope, injustice, hatred, poverty, and to stand in this place and cry out to Him, God, let Your kingdom come. Bring it. This isn't just some trite prayer we pray as a part of the Lord's Prayer. It's the cry of our hearts as God's people. God, all around us, people are drowning themselves in addiction and hope because they're hopeless. We cry out to you, stir in them a hunger and a thirst for you. Let them know you, that you're a God who heals and who saves and who delivers and who forgives and who redeems. This is our calling. This is our calling to be that crying out place Paul in Romans 8 talks about the church and the Holy Spirit within the church as the groaning place of the world. When he talks about groaning, this is our calling. And we've heard the Lord say, be people of prayer, but not only for prayer's sake, but that we might see the fruit and the results of prayer. That we might see revival. That people would repent and turn to the Lord. And then actually the door, the church wouldn't even be able to hold. Like the nets in Galilee couldn't hold all the fish. That the churches couldn't hold all the people that were turning in faith to Jesus Christ. That's vision that God's put in our hearts and we hold it and we pray. But what do we do, people, when something like City Fest happens? And we're really excited for it. And we think God might move for it. And maybe that's his direction. That's the way that he'll bring or start to bring this about. And it happens and it doesn't happen. And it's not God's chosen instrument. And we still have roughly the same amount of us here. And we love being together. Every one of us. But the Lord has this calling. What do we do in that place? When we're in this place, whether as a church family or as individuals, this, let's call it, between Lystra and Troas place, somewhere in those 300 miles, somewhere along a journey of following the Lord with a sense of guidance that he's given, and yet we're disoriented. It's a bit of a wilderness, and we don't know. We tend to grasp for control. We tend to want a map. We tend to want, Lord, show me. Lord, show us. Lord, what are you doing in my life? What are you doing? Where is this going? Why is this happening? Or Lord, show us. Lord, give a map. And the grace of God to them and to us this morning is that God does not give us a map, but that instead of a map, we have a good shepherd. We have a good shepherd who's near, who's always with, who promises, I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. I'll never take my presence from you. I will guide you into right paths. Who says, this is the way, walk in it. Who says, I'll instruct you in the way you should go. Passage that Lindsay opened up with. We have a shepherd who guides. He doesn't lay it all out. He just says, this way, this step, this is next. This is how you're faithful to me here and now. 
How does God do that for Paul and company in this text? Well, listen to these words. Having been, having been kept or forbidden by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in Asia. The Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. It would be really easy to paint those phrases and those experiences as negative. We tend to think of closed doors, closed opportunities, as negative. We tend to get disappointed, frustrated, disillusioned when God says, not now, no, not there. But if our highest ambition is the glory of God, if what we want more than anything else in the world is to please our God and Savior and to bring Him glory, then it doesn't matter if He says yes or if He says no or if He says here and not there. What simply matters is that He's giving guidance as a shepherd and that we're following him. And so the grace of God is that he never leaves. He's always with through that 300 miles of harsh, unforgiving territory and the knows God has a plan. He hasn't revealed the whole plan, but he has a plan. And a part of his plan is to say no. And I want to just wonder for a minute, What would have happened if God would have given a vision of a man from Macedonia in Lystra? I could think of a few things. I could think of one one thing would be they wouldn't have recognized the man from Macedonia. How do you know what a man from Macedonia looks like if you've never been there and it's very far away and you don't have TV? Maybe they only met men from Macedonia in Troas. For the first time, maybe the vision of the man from Macedonia that Paul saw in the night was looks like somebody that he met in the morning. And so maybe they had to get to Troas in order to be able to recognize the man from Macedonia. Maybe if God had given the vision in Lystra. Not everybody would have gone that God wanted to go. Maybe some that were a part of the team would have said, God, it's too far or Paul, that's too crazy. We can't go across 300 miles of mountains because you saw, you think you saw a vision of a man from Macedonia in your dream? We can't do that. See, God in His wisdom knows what we need to hear, what we need to experience, when we need to hear, when we need to experience it in order to faithfully cooperate with Him on the journey to accomplishing his purposes. Maybe they would never have in their own minds and imaginations considered going to Macedonia. Do you know that this little this little space here on our map is the dividing line between the eastern world and the western world? 
vastly different cultures, languages, histories. In this call and in the obedience that we'll hear about next week, the gospel goes for the first time from east to west and under European soil. Maybe that was the farthest thing from Paul's mind and imagination. We don't know. But what we know is that the grace of God is God in his sovereignty has this plan that he's unfolding for us if we'll hold through the desert and the wilderness and stay faithful to the guidance that he's given. You think about Noah. God said, build an ark. Rain's coming. What does it feel like on year 90 out of 100? Year 90, when your neighbors have been ridiculing you for nine decades and laughing at you, and there's not a drop of water. And there's a whole hunk of wood, but there's no water. What does that feel like? And yet, if Noah had not been faithful to the guidance that the Lord had given him, Nobody makes it through that flood. In other words, God's plans on earth require human cooperation, human obedience. God's deemed, He's decided in His wisdom that He wants to work with us. And so we can see in this passage this morning this beautiful display of divine human cooperation. God's called. He said, go. They go. They're out there. And it's not until maybe a month, maybe two months of not necessarily knowing what God's doing that they finally receive this vision in the night. Go to Macedonia. And I want us to notice that they obey immediately. And I believe the reason that they obey is because this is a group of people traveling together that are keenly aware of the Lord being with them and them being on his plans or agenda. And because they're seeking him, because they were somehow sensitive to, no, the Holy Spirit doesn't want us to preach the word here, whether that was through rejection from people or whether that was through an inner witness in their own spirit, just don't go there. And no, the Spirit of Jesus doesn't want to allow us to go into Mysia, whether that's through a guard that says you're not going this way, or, again, perhaps a word of knowledge or an inner witness to somebody in the group. This is a group that's traveling in the company of the Lord. And so when the Lord finally gives the next step of guidance that's needed, they're ready to obey. And the fruit of their obedience, we're going to see, we're going to get to experience that joy next week. But I want to end this morning by encouraging us to faith and also by asking, what's the last thing the Lord has spoken to you? What guidance has he given? Where are you on this journey? 
and I want to pray for increased faith and encouragement for each one of us as we follow the Lord step by step as individuals, but also as a church. So let's pray. Lord, we praise and we thank you that you are a shepherd who knows all of our weaknesses because you were one of us. You know our fears. You know our inadequacies. You know every struggle that we have. And yet you do not leave us. You are faithful to us. And you keep calling us and saying, come, come follow me. Follow me here. Serve me here. And you're not surprised by the things that surprise us, whether they're family or relationship or work. You're not surprised by them. You just keep saying, come follow me. I'm faithful. I'll provide for you. And so, Lord, we ask that you would strengthen us this morning. Strengthen us with faith to persevere because you have, you have Macedonian men and women in our future. Lord, you have continents in our future. You have whole groups of people that will come to know you and your love and experience you because you kept us faithful. You kept us following you when it was difficult, when we couldn't see a map, when we couldn't see what was ahead. And so, Lord, would you just stir up and give and pour out the gift of faith wherever it is needed this morning. I just pray for every single person where they can't see the future for trust in a good shepherd and and, and hunger and thirst for obedience, whether it's to yes or to no, because you are good. You're good, O Lord. And your mercy endures forever. Love you. Love you, Lord.
As we go from this place, we receive this blessing. The Lord bless you with grace as you evaluate where you are on his journey. And the Lord bless you with humility as you surrender your map over to the leadership of the Good Shepherd. And the Lord bless you with faith abundant to follow wherever he may lead for his kingdom and for his glory. Amen.